Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, familiar text. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Today, I want to talk about being betrayed and um, what that means for us today. I want to ask God to bless us, and we're going to pray right now and pray for those petitions. Anybody got just an unspoken need on their heart by the raising of your hand? If you know somebody, I spoke with a guest today, and I know that he's in town because he has a very dear friend who is fighting cancer. We're going to go to God for that as well. Trust that he's a healer. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads together. God, we thank you. God, we thank you together, Lord, that we can come boldly before your throne. And I pray as we do, we come asking with the petitions on our hearts, God, that you touch, that you meet the need, that you bring healing into bodies, Lord. I pray you heal cancer. There's nothing too hard for you. I pray you heal, O Lord, a broken heart. I pray you heal disease and sickness all through the body. I pray for those who are unable to be here today and strengthen them right now. Begin to bring recovery and help into their situation. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you knowing that all things can be done in your name, Lord. We ask you right now, Lord, bless this word. Lord, let your let this lesson speak to our hearts and our minds and cultivate the soil of our soul right now. God, I pray, help me your teacher. We thank you together. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord just for a moment. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated familiar story and a familiar person in history that I want to talk a little bit about in my opening here as you know his name to be Julius Caesar. He was in Rome and he was found celebrating a triumphant return from defeating a military rival. And in this Season. What's interesting about Julius Caesar and what we kind of know about him and what we uh, understand from history, it's really Shakespeare who writes about him that uh, brings an attention to a detail. During the feast, Caesar holds a victory parade and a soothsayer warns him to beware of the Ides of March, which he ignores. Meanwhile, Cassius attempts to convince Brutus, which is Caesar's best friend, to join a conspiracy to kill Caesar. And although Brutus is friendly towards Caesar, we see that it is rumored that Caesar has been offered several times the crown to be king. And multiple times Caesar has denied it, but with every time he kind of gives this vibe that he's willing to take it. 
On the eve of, of the Ides of March, the conspirators meet and reveal that they have forged letters of support from the Roman people to tempt Brutus into joining. And Brutus reads these letters and after much moral debate decides to join the conspiracy. He's thinking that Caesar should be killed to prevent something that can be worse. As Caesar is in the courthouse and in that place of the Senate, they come closer to him and they, they draft up some fake papers for him to look at and pull them into the conspirators, uh, I'd say, killing den. And all of a sudden you see Caesar in this moment he rejects those papers and when he does so he begins to feel the wounds of knives stabbing him over and over again from different faces but we know this famous saying when he turns around and he sees Brutus stabbing him and he says hey too Brutus you too Brutus when he dies this story of course is really mentioned mostly in Shakespeare's writing in his plays but and it's very rare that Shakespeare wrote on true events this play depicts the moral dilemma of Brutus as he joins the conspiracy led by Cassius to murder Julius Caesar to prevent him from becoming a dictator of Rome and although the play is named Julius Caesar. It is actually Brutus that speaks more than four times the amount that Caesar does in that play. This play is really focused on Brutus and focused on the fact that he has a struggle to choose, to make a choice, whether it is his friend or whether it's his country. What's interesting is that in this play, he makes a statement when it comes time to explaining uh, the moment after his death and why he did the things he did, he says, I loved Rome more. He continued to explain his reasonings for saying that Caesar was a man he loved. And he says, Caesar loved me. I weep for him as he was fortunate. I rejoice at it as he was valiant. I honor him, but as he was ambitious I slew him and so today I want to kind of talk about that and I'm not talking necessarily about the detail of ambition because ambition was Caesar's greatest strength that's what put Caesar on the map was his desire to keep pressing and to keep pushing and to keep thriving thriving he had a motive he had something inside him that that just was on fire and he pressed and he pushed and maybe some would say it was for love of country or maybe it was for love of self regardless it was raw ambition that he wanted to thrive but it was that strength he had that ended up being the actual killing blow to his life it was his ambition that would be his greatest enemy it was his ambition that would be his greatest problem that he would struggle with and of course we find here that it would be the thing that killed him and today I want us to understand that the message that I'm trying to teach is not about being betrayed by your ambition although that is a lesson but being betrayed by your greatest strength. I'm going to talk about your strength, okay? Because what's so interesting about your strength is that we never really look at it. We never go to address it often because it's there. It's available to us to grab and to reach and to use many times. We use our strengths daily. And that's not a terrible thing, but it's just it's what it is. And I can't get away from Scripture when I talk about strength 
and I not mention the strongest man in Scripture. We know his name to be Samson. We know his story well. Samson is one of the judges, and it blows my mind what Samson could have been for the people of God. In the beginning of his, his life, his promise of strength was actually delivered from his parents. It was God who spoke to his parents and said, listen, you need to teach Samson that his vow is his strength, that his, his separation that his walk, that his, his understanding that I can't touch this and I can't touch that. I have to look a certain way and be obedient to a certain process. That's going to be his great strength. That's going to be the source of it. But you see the story of Samson. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But you see that he just takes on that physical strength and he begins to use it like anyone who would use a physical strength. I often think, man, how cool would it be to have strength to pick up a car when you wanted to, right? How, how incredible would that be to move something, you know, extremely heavy? He had that. He was, think about your teenage, teenage son, parents, for a second, and you're a dad working on the car, and you just call out to your son not to hold the flashlight, but to hold the front end of the car. It's a little different, right? How many sons ever got yelled at for not holding the flashlight just right? <laughs> Oh, don't move it. <laughs> but it was getting so heavy. How many of you are like me? Like that flashlight, that mag light. <laughs> you do everything you can to hold it that way. But Samson was strong. It didn't use no issue holding anything. But this process of his strength, he begins to just take it for granted. And all of a sudden he finds himself in terrible relationships. We know that's a truth. And one relationship we know very well is that one with Delilah. And I kind of want to talk about the end of Samson here and highlight something in Judges 16 and 20. It says, and, he, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. We know this time, this moment that she has uh, constantly provoked him in the middle of the night to uh, find out where his strength lieth. And finally, with much prodding and much poking and, and, and begging and pleading over and over and over again until he's like, I'll just tell you, woman, it's my hair. It's where my strength comes from. My, 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 my hair, if, if there's a razor that comes to it, I'm just going to be weak like everybody else. Now, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's his strength or if it's a weakness, but my man was a sound sleeper. Because <laughs> he got his head shaved in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, this is where we find here. Verse 20, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times before and shake myself. You catch that? I will continue to do what I've been accustomed to do. I will continue to lean on my strengths because that's what I'm used to leaning on. And we see how he says, I'm just going to do as other times and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters and brass. And he did grind in the prison house. And I want us to understand that it was actually Samson's strength that ends up betraying him. That strength that he took for granted. 
And I want us to really understand that if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, our strength can and will betray us. Our, str our strength, our talent, our intellect, our beauty can betray us. And in case of Samson, if you look really deeply in it, it was his vow that ended up betraying him. And how is that possible? That the vow that you have with the Lord, the relationship that you have with God can be something that betrays you. Just like Samson, you can misunderstand the relationship you have with God. Let me just say it this way. God's grace is so sufficient for thee. Amen? Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. But too often we take the grace of God for granted, which is our strength. And we misuse and misappropriate the grace of God. We understand it to be our salvation, but at the same time, we turn it into our salvation plan. And I want us to understand, nowhere in Scripture does it say that you must use grace as your salvation plan. That you can say, you know what, my greatest strength is that he's always going to forgive me. That he's always going to say, come back. That he's always going to say, here I am. Because there's going to come a time where you're not going to feel his spirit. There's going to be a time where tongues will cease. There's going to be a time where it's not going to be the way it is today. We are so rich in mercies. I, I, I can't tell you how, how, how spoiled we are. We are so spoiled that we can come into the presence of God and feel his power and feel his moving and feel the pricking of, his, of our heart and feel those things. And, but I, I want us to understand Samson took that for granted. He took his relationship for granted. And it can be something that we take for granted, that we can take the grace of God, the relationship we have with him, and we can lean on it over and over and over again without understanding the fact that it can be the thing that betrays us. I don't want to misunderstand the strength of grace that God has given us, but once we misunderstand it, then we're in danger of abusing it. Don't abuse grace. <laughs> don't abuse his love and his mercies. Don't pull them out of heaven and push them back in a grave and dig them up again and throw them back on a cross. Don't reverse the process because that's exactly what happens when we take advantage of grace. We crucify them all over again. We put them back up there in that place and we continue to take advantage of that and that's not what we're supposed to do. We have this opportunity to address our strengths and realize that, you know what, I need to make sure and understand that I don't abuse it. For instance, in Scripture, and even not just Scripture, but also in life, when you see someone, and I'll be honest with you, as I preach and teach, and I've been uh, fortunate to go other places, I've had heroes in the faith. I hope you have heroes in the faith. And I've watched them, and I've, I've studied them. I've seen their dedication, and I've seen, I've seen their diligence. And I, I've said within myself, if I want to obtain another level of anointing, I've got to do the same. I've got I've to tear down flesh. I've got to... 
I've got to put away things, okay? I got to, what, what I used to do as a child, I got to put away. I got to become a man, right? I got to grow up. And that's even spiritual maturity. You have to grow up. You got to stop coming to church as just coming to church. You got to come to church and serve in the church. You got to do what you can for God. And as you do that, you see that and you witness that and you begin to think that if I can just push through my circumstance by just giving more of my time and my effort and my works, we get this misunderstood. A great example. So there's a group of men who were so devoted and so consecrated unto the Lord. They spent their entire life studying scripture. They spent their entire life putting in position and making sure family was on board. And they made sure that they, they absolutely sold themselves out to the word of God. And when we look at that, when we look at that structure, well, I can't help but think, praise God, we need more people like that. We need more people who will devote their life to this. Amen? Who will say, you know what, I need to know this for myself. And not just for myself but also for my family. I need to study it. I need to understand because there's a lot of things out in the atmosphere that are trying to speak to you. There's a lot of things across these devices that are trying to sell you on something. There's a lot of misunderstanding going out there and, and, and it's itching ears really that, we're, that makes us attend and all those types of things. And I just want us to be aware of the fact it is good to be consecrated. It is good to be set aside for a purpose and an understanding. And I know that I don't get a lot of amens from that because that means work. That means effort. That means, you know what, I've got, I've got something I have to do on my end. It means I, I've got to do less of what this flesh wants to do and more, than, more of what his will wants to do. And this is the group of people we find in Scripture. We find a great group of individuals who decide to devote themselves totally unto the scriptures and the words of God. What a strength, what a diligence to give your life in such a way, to have such biblical intellect. And through honoring the word of God and by living a sanctified and consecrated life for him, yet Jesus shows these individuals their betrayal. Matthew 23 Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Jumping to verse 25. I mean, this whole verse in 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye make clean the outside of a cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Jumping to verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all cleanliness. I know it's so easy to jump on the hate bandwagon here in the New Testament and look at the scribes and the Pharisees and, and, and say how terrible you are just because Jesus does it. But let me just be honest with you. I am, I am impressed by a group of people who say, you know what, I need to know the word I need to have this in me. I need to live a separated life. I need to walk the walk and talk the talk. 
That in its, in its essence is beautiful and wonderful. That is the correct motive. But we see here that becomes a strength that gets abused. Now, give ourselves a warning as a church. Beware your own consecration. Beware your own sanctification that it doesn't betray you as it betrayed the Pharisees. Church, we see here an example of this group that lived a devoted life to God and his laws. This was their strength, that they, but they have been betrayed by their legalism. We as a church must be careful that we're not betrayed by our traditions, by our legalism, and by our self-righteousness. We mustn't allow the strength of our heritage to betray us. I, I'm grateful for my heritage. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm grateful that I had uh, in, my, in my family line uh, uh, an uncle that went into Europe and preached the gospel and started such a powerful work. He, 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 I am grateful for, for him. I'm grateful for my, my grandmother, Grandmother Huba, that you know because of her diligence to seek God out, that she brought her sons and helped you know, foster them into the truth. And I'm grateful for my uncles that you got to witness minister a few weeks ago. And, and I'm grateful for that heritage, but that doesn't save me. <laughs> None of that saves me, unfortunately. And we need to be careful that we don't lean on, on just being here in 6911 North Trenum Road in this very room that it equates salvation on a Sunday at 10 a.m. morning. Right. We have to understand that this, this moment here, that we can, we can totally take in what we do good, what we're strengthening in, and what all the power we get from as this thing that can turn itself and betray us. And we even see here when Jesus was in the garden praying for the cup to bypass him. We read in Luke 22 and 47, While he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve. Because I can't talk about betrayal, not mention the betrayer. He's called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? I need us to understand that this betrayal of a kiss that kiss is an action of affection. <laughs> and if you know anything about Judas, he was the only disciple with a heritage and lineage out of the only tribe called Judah. Judah is a tribe that specialized in praise, specialized in affection. And we have to be careful that my praise and my worship, even though it's strong, even though I try to do more of it, that it doesn't become the thing that betrays me as well. I'm trying to get us to understand that we all have strengths. We all have great talents. And some of you may look in a mirror and say, you know what? I can't get up there and sing like Brother Mattman or Sister Hannah, right? And I can't, you know, I'll just, I'll just bring you into how I feel. I can't do anything that Brother Mattman does. <laughs> That guy can sing, teach, preach. He's athletic. He can dive. He can arrest people. He can, he can, he can do it all. <laughs> Speak Latin. He can do it. Okay? 
We all lean on our own strengths. We all want, we, we look at those things. We all, but I will say this, everybody in here has a strength. Everybody in here has something you're very good at. And unfortunately, that's the thing we grab first. It's the thing we're most comfortable grabbing and holding on to and not letting go. But I'm, I'm trying to get us to understand that thing we hold on to, that thing that we won't let go. It can be the absolute thing that betrays us from truly knowing him more. And we have this moment here when you see that these individuals have these Pharisees and, and people like, like, like Judas who say, you know what, it's my heritage that I, I lean into. But I, unfortunately, it does not matter how much you know the word of God. I'd say it. If we don't have love in our hearts, if we don't have, we're not strengthened in other areas, if we don't have those other things, and all this is for naught. Amen. We need to understand that it's more than just our strengths. We must not lean on our strengths, and our strengths are setting up snares and traps if we allow them. I love 2 Corinthians 12 because Paul is really getting into the presence of God. Man, he is... He has, if you will, let's just backtrack a little bit because we have time to do it. Paul, he is in this moment where he, um, he, I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure this is moment because if you know anything about Paul, Paul was one of those, those types of Pharisees and scribes. He, He did, he was considered a member of the Sanhedrin. He was also, and many historians believe that he was married as well. But you don't hear about the story of Paul and his wife ministering. Paul, in his conversion, now let's, let's back up even further. When Paul meets Sister Pauline, I don't know her name. She believed in the Old Testament scrolls. and the, She believed in, the, in, in that Mosaic law so much that she said, I want to find a man who believes in that word just like me. That's a good thing. Let me just speak up to our young people in here. <laughs> don't be unequally yoked. Right. right? Don't link up with someone who is a believer and trust in the word of God. I, I know we live in a day and age that sometimes we come to our church and we think, man, our pond is very small. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we try to send you to Youth Congress so you can see the big lake. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but it's your job to get in it, <laughs> all right, instead of look at it. Uh. <laughs> I always ask my daughters when they come back from those trips, I'm like, do you see any cute boys? <laughs> oh, no, dad. <laughs> <laughs> they give me this embarrassing answer. I know they did. I know they've seen people and they... You know, their eyes were brightened by it. I remember my first time. I I came out of the ALJC, and you know, ALJC in Ohio was was great. And we had our camp. We had one camp meeting in the summer, and I I lived for those camp meetings. You know, and (laughs) I would I would do my best to prepare myself for those camp meetings. And so, but you know, those small camp meetings kind of it's like there's you know I've seen everybody. It's kind of, and I remember going to my very first youth congress, and I was like, oh my Lord, so many people my age, so many options. Yeah. <laughs> you tell I was confident. So I, 
I want us to understand this, that, the, that when we see this, when young people, when you see that, I, I know this, this, this church doesn't feel like there's someone for you here. And that may not be the truth. There may be someone for you. But I want us to understand this. Don't go seeking somebody else outside of this. They don't have to be from this church. It can be from another church that believes and trusts in this. And I want us to understand here, we see this moment when Paul's wife undoubtedly wants to pair herself up with someone who's a like believer. And Paul marries his wife, I believe. And Paul, uh, as before his Paul, he saw. And Saul marries this this woman and has a, rel- a life with her and Saul goes to work working a certain life and his he's he's on a hunting uh, endeavor he's hunting for people who are going against this that's what he thinks and his wife is no doubt looking at him saying man I'm proud of my husband for fighting the good fight I'm proud of my husband for not taking it, you know, lightly that he is seeking them out to bring them to justice. But she didn't know justice and neither did Saul until Saul's on his road and he meets who he's seeking. <laughs> Little does he know as he's knocked off his high horse and there he's humbled and he sees that light and he's blinded by it and he hears the voice of the one calling and why do you persecute me? You know, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's, he, he hears it and, and he understands in this moment of conversion and he's converted and he, he finds himself on straight street. He finds himself blinded and someone comes and lays hands on him and prays for him and his eyes are open. His eyes are open to everything and he realizes his whole life was a sham and that he realizes the one who came here and called his his name Jesus how he was probably in that same crowd screaming crucify him now he realizes now I've got to live my life differently and when he goes home no doubt he has to meet a wife and explain to her we're changing everything you don't read about the divorce you don't read about the separation because I'm not sure if there was one not sure if there was a legal divorce many believe that there was a separation but we do know is that Paul had to keep on walking towards God. Regardless, hear me, regardless if his helpmate was for it. And I, I just think, wow, what pressure, what, what strength does that take for you to walk away and to live for God in such a way because you're so sold out. And you understand who he is. You understand his voice in your life. And you do not question it. And you realize. And as he moves forward, he's growing in God. He's putting away fleshly things. He's coming to a place also where he mentions in Romans 7 that he's going to be transparent. He says, you know, this flesh, there's no good thing in it. Right? We know he, in Romans 7, he's just, he's arguing with himself saying, why? Why do you keep doing this thing I don't want you to do? Now we can look at Romans 7 and say, man, Paul's messed up internally. I don't. I look at Romans 7 saying, wow, Paul's honest. (laughs) And I'm grateful for an honest minister. 
an honest minister that will be so transparent and say, you know what, I'm still struggling. And, and because of that, God honored him. And God called him deeper and deeper into the deep. And, and, and the more Paul heard his voice, understood, he got to a place that was so spiritual. And we find himself here in 2 Corinthians. I apologize for the buildup, but this is what it took. 2 Corinthians 12. We read and we find out that he is describing a vision experience of God bringing him into heaven. And he explains what he's seen and heard. Unspeakable words, the Bible says, that cannot be uttered by men because they were so holy. He speaks further of a greater revelation God has strengthened him with. But this is what he then writes in 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, he says, At least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me and he said unto me this is what's so powerful he says my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me you see what he was saying I was getting to a place so strong and so spiritual Christ said you know what I'm going to stick a thorn in your side <laughs> and there he is get it out of me I can't get it I can't reach it and he's going to God multiple times take this from me now I'm not going to say what I feel his sin was I don't you know there's, there's doesn't come out and say it there's speculations there's all sorts of things but He's going to God over and over again, asking God to remove those things. But God planted that there for a purpose, and that was to keep him grounded. That's the problem with our strength that betrays us. It's kind of like Red Bull. It gives us wings. It makes us hover over our, our, where we need to be. Makes us hover, hover over our humility. It, it, it builds the ego and the pride. But here, God say, "No, I'm going to give you something that you will fight for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter how many times you come and ask me to take it from you. I need you to learn the lesson. I don't want you to be betrayed by by your relationship that you have with me. I want you to lean into your weakness." Understand that my grace is sufficient for thee. Understand that for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And this is why he will gladly, therefore, glory in the infirmities. Look at verse 10. He says, therefore, this is how I look at things now. I take pleasure in infirmities. That word infirmities means physical pains. Can I, can I challenge the one who's got an achy body right now? <laughs> Take glory in that. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to <laughs> I know it's hard to be excited about having your body achy and pain. And and as I turned 43 not too long ago, I'm just I've learned this that on my since I turned 40, once I add another year, <laughs> something else hurts. It's like clockwork. I woke up my 43rd birthday, I'm like, why is my back hurt? I didn't do anything. 
right? I feel like, <laughs> happy birthday. And I feel like that's the Lord saying, just that's how it is. I made you that way. And you need to understand, if I made you in a certain way, am I not, is not your creator perfect? Think about that for a second. We, <laughs> we will do everything we can to extend life. That's our nature, right? But the supernatural says to die is to gain. And so don't fight, don't fight the decay of the flesh. Understand it differently that thank you God, you made me in such a way that I can lean on you, that I can trust in you. And that's, man, think about it this way. We want to know him more. We want to know the power of his resurrection. But do we really want to know him through the fellowship of what? It takes pain to suffer, amen? How badly do you want to know him? He says, therefore, I take pleasure now in knowing my physical pains and my infirmities. He says, I take, I take pleasure in, in infirmities and in reproaches. That reproaches means mental injury. Don't, <laughs> don't, I know there are people here, and especially in this day and age, we are fighting a mental, uh, a mental disease push upon everyone. Okay? Some of that is so true. Some of that is adopted. Okay? All right? Sometimes we have to be like David and encourage ourselves. Right? Say, man, I, I smell smoky city. My family's gone. Everything, everybody's against me. Man, I, I have every right to just wallow in my depression and hurt. But he says, I'm going to go and encourage myself. <clears throat> Here he says, take pleasure in your mental injury. Take pleasure in the fact that, you know what? God puts something on you that... Why? So that you can get through it. He's, he's trying to get us to understand that we have these cares and we're not built to carry them. Therefore, we have to cast our cares on him. There's an answer. We have an answer. We just have to live in that answer. He goes on. He says, in necessities. That word necessities means constraints. I began to think about that. I'm like, man, is that the truth? I've got some necessities that I wish they weren't so constraining. Amen? I've got some real bills that stops me from living my best life. <laughs> An electric bill comes in the mail, and I had goals, I had desires, but my necessities constrain me. But he's trying to get us to understand sometimes it's good to be constrained. Sometimes it's good that those necessities keep you boxed in. We have to understand it differently. He goes on. He says, in persecutions, it's another word for embarrassments. <laughs> Man, have I learned a lot from embarrassments. In distresses, that means your, bo your bounds. It's interesting that necessities and constraints and distresses is your, bo your bounds, or bounds, how you would say it. And it's so important for us to understand that necessity does bring distress. Our constraints can be bounding. But he goes on, and I reread it all again. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, 
in distresses for Christ's sake. Okay? This is the best part. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Let's all stand this morning. We have to capture this very truth. <laughs> that my greatest strength has the opportunity to betray me. It has the ability to turn its back on me. That it can lure me into a snare and a trap that I wish I didn't find myself. It can, it can stroke my ego and the hair of my pride and lure me to sleep. And then all of a sudden I'm awakened and I think I can go right back to doing what I used to do as times before. But it's because of that strength that I was so, so used to keeping. I, I just encourage us, let's go ahead and give God our weaknesses. Let's go, let's go ahead and say, God, thank you for not, I, I, I've said this before, there's a reason why I'm not, you know, super skinny. I, I believe that because I like food. Number one, I love it. <laughs> you know, and, but also I, I've, I've worked out and I've thought, man, why doesn't it not come off? You know, why is it, <laughs> I've done those things. And I'm like, well, that's just how the Lord wants me. <laughs> I guess this is the thorn I have to have. <laughs> There's some truth to that though. Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, when I go past a, a suit sh store and I see an impeccable blue cobalt suit that's so fitted and perfect I'm like man I'd look good in that but I'm like no you don't <laughs> because your body style just won't it's not gonna look good let's say it's that pride and ego I understand a lot of my my uh, I'm a very when I read about Julius Caesar I'll be honest with you I, I'm a very ambitious person I'm very motivated. I had a, uh, I believe I had a prophet speak over me not long ago, and man, it wrecked me. And he he brought a truth out to me. He says, you know, you're doing everything right, but your, but your your motive is wrong. He says your ambition is stopping things. Man, it, it wrecked me because it was it just brought me like right back from the very beginning of like the root of it. It was, it was such a, such a, a rhema word. And so I say all that. So sometimes we have to go to God and say, God, show me where I'm struggling. Show me how, how I can hand that over to you. Show me that I can just be, be trusting and say, God, it's because of your grace. It's, it's just so sufficient. And I trusted it. I'm not going to do it on my own. I'm going to lean on you. Can we do that? Can we bow our heads right now? God, I want to lean on you. I want to, I want my, my family, Lord, to, God, there's, I can't save them, Lord, you can. I, I, I can't save this church, you can. I can't save this city, only you can. There's no power I have, there's no strength I obtain, but God, I have many weaknesses. I, I've got struggles, I've got, I've got reproaches, I've got distresses, I've got all sorts of things, God. I'm asking you right now, take those things from us. We cast our cares on you, we trust you you, Lord, that you can handle our weakness and we can know what true strength is, Lord, if we hand over that trust to you. I pray help us as a church. Help us, God. We love you. We thank you right now. We praise you. We give you honor and glory. Would you clap your hands to God right now? <laughs> Hallelujah.
praise you. I don't want to get comfortable in my worship. I don't want to take it easy in my strength. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. Mighty God. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you together. Praise God. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 